Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Priestman. As always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you. Those of you that listened to the show yesterday and heard my interview with Britton Doyle also heard a little bit about why the delay of the podcast to the end of the week, not feeling my absolute best, but going to go ahead and now that we did the interview yesterday, get you caught up on the baseball news of the week for the most part, anything that I can't get to today, talk about a little bit more tomorrow with a few more big picture questions, right? But let's go over the baseball of the week so far i'm going to begin with kyle freeland because as i'm recording this it's right after the game the rockies just lost nine to two in arizona and the first game of this road trip was in la also a game that was started by kyle freeland and in both games you know we we got decent kyle freeland uh you'd love to see him at some point you know get back to that if he could be dominant kyle freeland That'd be lovely, right? After today, 6.1 innings pitched, six earned runs, all go against him, though the last couple uh, inherited runners, kind of a tough one for him there. 470 ERA on the season. So overall, disappointing season so far for Kyle Freeland. Uh, That said, there was something about the way he pitched today that reminded me of why Despite some of these numbers, and despite the fact that other than that one year, (laughs) as we all know, that other than in 2018 when he was a legitimate Cy Young contender, and you've probably heard me say before, should have come in second, he's never really truly dominated. What we appreciate about Kyle Freeland is that he just competes, man. And that's one of those things that people say, like coaches especially, that can make fans or media people roll their eyes. Like, what does that even mean? What, what, what does that even mean to just compete, comma, man? And we saw it today. Tough luck first inning. Now, he wasn't pitching well. He was leaving too many pitches over the, the heart of the plate. He was leaving too many pitches off of the plate. But he wasn't getting obliterated. And he just kind of got, as the phrase goes, singled to death there in that first inning. And three runs given up after the Rockies had actually been, believe it or not, the Rockies had the lead in this game after the the home run from Chris Bryant. Obviously, I'm going to talk about Bryant here in just a minute. But he gives up the three runs and pitches. I think he threw like 30 pitches in the first inning. Like it, That's a nightmare of a first inning. Right, and the second leadoff runner gets on, and you're going, man, this is about to. Do. He's going to be out of there. He'll be lucky to go three. Right, he's going to go three innings. He's going to give up five or six runs. This is going to be one of those really ugly days for him, and it's going to be a bummer because they had won a couple, and maybe they could get some momentum back. But he ends up going into the seventh inning, and like I said, then allows a couple of base runners, both on infield hits. Isn't that always the way? One was was a, a little bit, or, or, or a lot of it, his fault for not getting over to cover first base fast enough. And one was just a tough swinging... Oh, no, it wasn't a swinging bunt. It was, it was an actual bunt um, that Kyle just couldn't quite get to himself again and, and field and, and make the out. And that's all very, very frustrating. And I'd still like to see him tighten it up a bit, and moving forward, I, I think he can be better. 
and I, and I hope he's better down the second half and, and the Rockies can feel better about the contract that they've signed him and Rockies fans can as well. But if you watched this game, you saw exactly what I mean and what coaches mean and what teammates mean when they say the guy competes because he really just wears his passions on his sleeve. He makes it clear how much he cares, how pissed he is when he messes up, right? How much he wants to be good for his teammates, for for his team, for his fans, for his coaches, all that stuff. And, you know, it didn't go his way today. And, and that's baseball. Hey, I said it. But, man, I, I really do. Because there's a lot of, there have been times this year, I've mentioned it. I've, I've often drawn this particular comparison, contrast to Armand Marquez, who doesn't always do his best job of making sure that he's competing 100% of the time, that he's not hanging his head, that he's not throwing pitches out of anger or frustration. John Gray was a guy who I would talk about a lot. He had a nice month in Texas. He's he's picked it up after a really tough start. But that's another guy who, when things wouldn't go his way, especially early in his career here, he would tend to hang his head, throw the frustration pitch, and and really put his team in a bind. And there are more things in a 162-game season than just losing your team the game. There's also losing your team the game and forcing your manager to have to use three or four or five relievers when, you know, today, despite the loss and despite the ugliness of the game, at least Buddy was able to just go to the two relievers. Now, in a more competitive season, things like that matter a lot more. As it is... They're 11 games under 500. And as I've talked about before, this appears to be where they're just kind of stuck, right? They've kind of been playing 500 baseball since they, since they hit this 10, 11 games under situation. Like they've stayed there, right? And and there's been some impressive stuff. Even these games in LA, to get back to, you know, just sort of going line by line here, they played well in all three games in LA. A 5-3 loss, a 5-2 loss, a 2-1 a loss. Right, those are close games against a really great team, and getting some some decent outings. Again, we got another Marquez start that's not super awful, but frustrating. The seven strikeouts is nice. The three walks is frustrating. The four earned runs is grumble, grumble, grumble. But I do think that it's it the biggest frustration about the way they're playing now is if they just played this way all season they'd probably be a 500 team right they wouldn't be competing for the division or necessarily even for a postseason spot but they would be right in the thick of the the middle right and it was all the mistakes all of the terrible pitching and and the times where the offense went completely silent, particularly in May and June. So as we sit here and go, well, you know, this would have been a perfectly, and I get they've got one more uh, game to play on Sunday. This could have been a perfectly acceptable road trip in several other years. It's just not when you've already put yourself behind the eight ball here. The one thing that I do have to talk about in the LA series, though, as far as a uh, you just tip your cap. Hey, if you're still watching every baseball game at this point, again, I assume most of you probably didn't have the Rockies making the postseason this year. I, I don't think there were too many people with 
delusions of grandeur. So you're still watching and, and you're watching for who's going to be there in the future. How can they start turning certain things around? You're, you're watching because you love baseball and guys like CJ Crone can hit the ball real far. And, and there, there's a lot of different reasons, right? But I think one of the reasons why we watch baseball is for things like what happened in uh, that last game on, what's that, Wednesday? <laughs> I, I got to get my dates straight. But the Jose Urania game, right? Here's a guy who has had a tough go of it in the big leagues, folks. I mean, it, it, just getting to the big leagues. He's It was starting to look like maybe he was going to be a, a career minor leaguer. It was funny listening to the language that people were trying to use to describe Jose Urania because... I heard, you know, he's a rookie, he's a youngster, he's a newbie, he's a neophyte, and I heard, well, he's a he's a veteran, he's got experience, he's he's because he does have, you know, 170, I think, 170 plus games in in big league baseball, but he's been hurt a lot. He's had to go back down to the minors a lot. He struggled to get back to the bigs. He'd been with the Rockies before, <laughs> and and not been able to make it work right and it's just back and 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 then there was this whole weird ramp up to him joining the roster now i'm going to talk tomorrow more uh, i'm going to get into some of the off the field stuff and so i'll talk about the colton welker thing and how frustrating that is right but on as a part of all of that the rockies doing this this roster shuffle and people going why you know in the world <laughs> would you make space for this guy now they needed a starter ryan feltner i think is i don't know if run into a wall is quite the right phrase but but shown the limitations that you've all heard me say i've, I've always believed were there uh, them having these il stents with senzatella um him not being able to stay healthy throughout the year gomber having been unreliable they're they're looking for an answer and they turn to this guy who they know, but not super well. And like I said, who's kind of bounced around a bit the last couple of years. And he comes out and he tosses an absolute gem for the Rockies at the Dodgers. And no, the, the Rockies didn't win the game. Uh, that unfortunately all fell apart as soon as he came out. And uh, they end up losing two to one uh, in the in the bottom of the ninth in very frustrating fashion as Jose Iglesias cuts off Brendan Rodgers and you know what once they had the bases loaded I you know they're they're gonna win this game but still to watch it go down that way you're like how in the hell these guys sometimes it seems like they're inventing new ways to lose doesn't it and that. That was certainly one when you've got Buddy pulls in an extra infielder. So you've got everybody's there, the pitcher's there. So many people who could have fielded that ball and made the out at home. And it still gets into no man's land somehow. But Jose Urania was 6.2 innings pitched, five hits, one earned run, three walks, two strikeouts. It wasn't a dominant performance by any means. Uh, There was clearly a bit of unfamiliarity with the Dodgers. He got away with some where the Dodgers hit it real hard, but it happened to be right out of guy or on the ground, so he got a double play. Um, You know, I I honestly think from pitch to pitch, if 
if he were to throw the exact same game against the exact same team next time around, they're probably going to score three or four runs on him. But that's not how this works, right? We, we, that, you, do, you done did what you done did. And when it lines up for you on a night like that, that's really cool, man. That's why we watch the game. That's why we love baseball. Because on any given night, the best offense in the league, certainly in the National League, uh, damn Yankees, uh, the, you know, the stinking Dodgers. And Jose Urania is just a dude trying to hang on. And he goes out there and does something like this. And and if it turns out that, you know, his next two or three times he's given the call, he's given the opportunity to go out there, he turns out he's, he's not very good and he gets DFA'd and he's out of baseball a year from now or two years from now, you know, that'd be a bummer. Uh, and it could go the other way where maybe this guy's figured something out and the Rockies got themselves a nice little piece here who maybe at the very least in the future they could have as a bullpen piece or as a sixth or seventh or as a swingman or a, ro- a rotational depth bullpen depth. Obviously, the Rockies need more arms, right? They're not in a position where they can be like, anyone who's got potential and wants to be here, meh, ship them out, right? Like, you you, you got to find guys like these and hope that some of them click for you. I don't think that it will ultimately and and that's just I'm trying to be as fair as I can based on a lot of things his numbers like I said even the way that he pitched the the particular game I didn't feel I I felt like the best thing about what he did was his emotions stayed in check he pitched really well in a couple of big spots where there was some traffic and he just never gave in and made the big mistake pitch but he threw several pitches that were hittable and the Dodgers just missed them so we'll see what happens next time out. But that, that's beside the point. The, the most important point here for, for just this day for that I want to make just right now is, man, how cool is that? Can we can we not, as people, as fans, as, as a community, as a sports community anymore, just tip our cap and say, dude, cool, nice job. You know, he may remember that night forever. And, and again, like I said, it's, it's too bad that the, the Rockies couldn't pick him up a little bit there. But these are the kinds of things that, you know, it's it's tough out there. And so when you see it all come together for somebody and it line up like that and they have a wonderful night like that, that's why you see sometimes when the manager goes out, they've always got the biggest smile on their face, right, when they're taking their ball from, like, Tim, Tim Melville, for those of you that remember him, right? And the manager's got to go out and just like, man, good on you. And and that was that was classic. Good on Jose Urania. Now we get to the Arizona series. You got a nice outing in game one. Still, I want to see some things tightened up for Austin Gomber, but five innings pitched, three earned runs on six hits, the one walk. We always talk about that with Gomber. The the fewer the walks, the better he's doing. And the other thing that we talked about with Gomber. The home run ball. And he gave up a homer, right? That's the thing that bites him. Because he tends not to give up those innings of, like we saw today, um, perfect example, Kyle Freeland in the first. You know, giving up five or six hits that lead to, to three runs. Gomber's issue is is the slugging, the mistake pitch. And unfortunately this year, he's been allowing too many free base runners. So it was a promising outing, not a huge one in the right way but a promising one and uh, a really good game from the bullpen Gilbreth uh, in particular 
has now got, gotten his ERA down uh, below four. He's at 370 on the year. So you got a, a nice game out of him. And uh, well, well, I'll talk about the offense actually here when we get to the next game. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just do offense here in just a second. And then in the next, so they win that one, uh, 4-3. And then they win the next game on Friday night by a score of 6-5. to five, Thanks to two home runs from your boy, Chris Bryant. So now we get to have a little bit of this conversation. And I'm actually writing about this now, so I will not do too much of it and, and ultimately direct you toward milehighsports.com for this part of the conversation. But, okay. <laughs> I, how do I uh, reframe this so it isn't antagonistic? I understand 100% the frustration with the Colorado Rockies, the frustration with the signing of Chris Bryant. Even though I thought the signing of Chris Bryant was a very good thing for them to do, I've actually very often said that I, I don't think it's a team that should be built around superstars. So while I wouldn't have done it, I get why they did, and I get why they think that they can build around him. And I was very curious, just as a baseball... What what a phrase. Please don't please don't kill me for this. <laughs> for as a baseball intellectual or a baseball philosopher, whatever, all of you are baseball intellectuals. You're all baseball philosophers. You're not listening to the podcast because you want less information about your, your ball club. Right? We 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 want to dive deeply into these things. And it was very bizarre to watch the way in which, quite frankly, there was a lot of disingenuous conversation about Chris Bryant's inability to hit home runs. Let's just be frank. People were preying on a misleading fact. There's a there's a great line. It's been a while since I think I've quoted the West Wing or or this particular thing. Great line in the West Wing when somebody's talking about data and statistics and you know somebody says numbers don't lie. Somebody else says, "What are you kidding me? Numbers lie." All the time. They lie when 80% of the people tell you that they're sick and tired of a scandal. But then every paper or publication that's covering the scandal, their ratings go up. They sell more copies. Right? And so when people were saying, oh man, it took until July for Chris Bryant to hit his first home run. They're telling the truth, obviously, right? But they're that that in your mind tells you something that isn't true. He hit his first home run in his 24th game. A little longer than you'd like. And I think it's clear now that for the first 15 games, the guy wasn't healthy. He was hitting 280 and on basing 360, and he was a consistent part of the Rockies' offense every single game he was contributing to the offense and that nice little start that they had there in april right you all remember but he just wasn't hitting home runs he wasn't really hitting doubles either it was a like a 370 slugging but the the on base was better than anybody on the team and so to to say like wow what a failure guy isn't hitting any home runs like i found the whole thing i think i used this word before but i'm gonna use it again bizarre and I get the, the race to 
crap all over the Rockies and say, ah, oh, they did a stupid thing. And now they're sowing, they're reaping what they sow. Cause you know, and it's like, nah, man, nah. Now Bryant obviously has got to keep it going a little bit here. Now, all of a sudden he's at four home runs on the season. And, you know, that was obviously never going to continue. And I don't believe that the people out there who were drumming up frustration, anxiety, and 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 fan ire over the fact that he hadn't, hadn't hit a home run believed that Chris Bryant's home run hitting days are behind him. The guy's 30 years old. <laughs> He's been one of the best hitters in baseball for almost a decade. He is He has a higher, in his worst seasons, he has a higher adjusted offense number, OPS plus, WRC plus, whatever you subscribe to, in his lowest individual season, his hitting numbers are better than the careers of Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story comfortably. He is, as I'm talking to you today, actually, because he hit another home run today, so it's not including this, at a 119 OPS plus which is below his career 130. But guess what? He's going to get back to his career 130 now that he's healthy. And this is what Chris Bryant looks like when he's healthy. And people knew that. Anybody who's paid attention to baseball over the last eight years knows that this is who Chris Bryant is. And while he's not going to be it forever, he's not done being it at 30 years old. Back issues, believe me, trust me on this. If you trust me on nothing else to, because I don't identify with these players, I don't have their money, I don't have their talent, I don't have their skill, I don't have their lifestyle. But I do have their back problems. <laughs> Just me and Charlie Blackman and apparently Chris Bryant. Uh, and, and, and the beard. Those are the only things. But back issues suck, especially for you know, a power hitting ball player. Torque is how you hit the home run. <laughs> that's, that's where it comes from, right? And so, you know, you got a guy out here like Jose Iglesias who's played, I think, every single baseball game plus a couple he, he didn't necessarily need to. I don't know. It just feels like every time you look up, Iglesias is at bat, right? He hit his second home run of the season on this trip, and we know he doesn't hit many. I'm like almost surprised he's got that many because he went so long without hitting any. But he did it. You know, he, he's got hundreds and hundreds of plate appearances already, right? It's like, oh, damn, this guy might end the season with one home run. And now he's got two. He could end the, Iglesias could end the season with two home runs. I won't be shocked if Bryant gets to 20 or 25 still, despite the fact that he's missed so much time. Because he's a really good hitter. He takes his at-bats exceptionally well. And if you've watched... And, and I understand if you haven't. <laughs> I, I understand if you've not been watching. But if you have, you see it. You know that this is a guy who's putting together professional at-bat after professional at-bat, swinging at very few pitches out of the zone. Everybody swings at some. It's all about percentages. Swinging at fewer pitches out of the zone and looking at fewer pitches in the zone than other guys that he's got an approach he sticks with that's worked for him for a very long time. And it's starting to pay dividends again now that he's back and healthy. And I get that all the injury stuff is frustrating. It is frustrating for him as well. I promise you that. But the 
I just found the reporting that Chris Bryant was potentially used goods or the Rockies should trade him or the whole contract was clearly a joke or people talking about pacing, like how many home runs he was on pace to hit if he only had the one. Well, I will adjust it. Now what is it? I don't know. You hit four home runs in a week, all of a sudden your pace kind of changes, doesn't it? But that's what... Was there anyone out there who really earnestly thought that this guy was incapable of hitting four home runs in a week? And if you did think that, then I submit that perhaps you've not been paying close enough attention to Chris Bryant, the baseball player. So let's see what happens next with that. But that was a huge game to see him go out there, hit a couple of home runs in a, in a Rockies win on the road. Yes, I know it's, it's not going to save the season, but that was really, really cool to see. Um, and speaking of cool, ha ha ha, segue, uh, an okay performance by Chad Cool in that one. And then, like I said, we get back to today, a 9-2 to loss. Ugly, ugly game that just got uglier as it went. Frustrating pitch from uh, Carlos Estevez that really, that allowed the two inherited runners that I mentioned earlier in. And, and it all kind of goes downhill from there. But you do get the fourth home run from Chris Bryant. And I particularly enjoy that he got it off of Madison Bumgarner, one of those guys who I've often wondered if he had to pitch his entire career uh, or, or most, if he had to pitch for the first five or six years of his career, half of his games at Coors Field, I'm not so sure he would have turned into what he is today. Uh, but that's a that's another conversation, I think, for <laughs> maybe another time. So like I said earlier, uh, I get into some of the deeper details on Chris Bryant in an article uh, that I'm about to publish. I'll probably publish it in the morning, Sunday morning. Uh, I'll do a a recap of anything that's interesting that happens in the Sunday game and dive into more of the big picture issues tomorrow, right? So we got to talk a little bit about the Colton Welker thing. We've got to look at the roster moving forward. What's the rotation going to look like? Uh, how is the bullpen shaking up? Uh, what what are they going to do uh, with the lineup and everything if, if everyone's going to be fully healthy here? What should the rotation look like? And then how do they properly um, allocate these minutes? <laughs> what is it, an NBA team? Uh, innings, whatever you want to call it. Allocate time uh, to guys. Like we've been seeing more of um, Alujeris. I'm getting closer. Uh, there's an extra syllable in there, I'm pretty sure. Alujeris. Uh, Montero and you you know his development I want to talk a little bit about him because while there hasn't been a lot of like noteworthy stuff yet like in terms of of production that 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 can be measured there's an approach about what he's doing at the plate uh, that I'm really intrigued by and and I want to see more of Uh, but this is going to be an interesting balance that the Rockies are going to have to walk for a couple of weeks here between you know showcasing because I've seen a lot of people I'm starting to get into tomorrow's conversation but I'll just do this. Showcasing guys for trades, which you have to do. You can't just bench the veterans and you can't necessarily just trade them right now because not everyone is making trades right now. They will be at the deadline, but right this second, there's still a limited pool of people to trade guys to. So you've got to keep showcasing those veterans, but you've got to start getting these young players time too. So we'll talk about that the big picture stuff, the roster construction, and any final thoughts on this road trip. And I'll preview the homestand for you tomorrow. But thank you for listening into this. Thank you for bearing with me through a week where I had to stack all this stuff up at the end because I wasn't feeling especially well. It'll be slightly more normal schedule again next week. Let me know if there's anything that I missed that you wanted to hear me talk about from this road trip. Hit me up on Twitter at Drew Creaseman. You can always slide into the DMs and ask me about the Discord 
Make sure you're checking out all of our podcasts here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network and that you're checking all of the written content at milehighsports.com. Other than that, I can only ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.